All right, this morning we're continuing in our series about the names of God, and this morning's teaching, because of everything else we've had going on this morning, is going to be a little bit shorter, um, and so there's, there's some stuff in here that I'm going to kind of uh, point at that I hope in the future to talk about more. So if you're left with some questions, feel free to continue to chew on those and ask me um, for follow-up or anything like that. That would be helpful. But this morning what I want to look at is Jehovah Rapha. Everybody say Jehovah Rapha. Which means the Lord who heals. Worship and healing go hand in hand in scripture. We are healed only when we worship. And the natural and appropriate response to healing is worship. The more we worship, the more that we are healed, and the more that we are able to worship. It should be a never-ending cycle of healing that leads to worship, that leads to healing, that leads to worship, that leads to healing, that leads to worship. And on and on, it works in our lives. (laughs) I'm getting that. That's enough. We get it. (laughs) But it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, right? When a person uh, experiences true like soul-level, spirit-level healing, what happened first? Did they worship first, or was there healing first that led to worship? And I think it's sort of a simultaneous thing, and you see this in Scripture repeatedly, this connection between the two. This is something that practically works itself out in my marriage because Julie has a gift of healing, and she is vocationally a nurse, and um, I'm a worship leader, and that's the name that one of the names that God has given me on my life. And so this is something that we as a couple seek to take very seriously. What, how does worship and healing work together? So this morning as we talk about healing, there's all different kinds of healing that, that God does. But the type of healing that I want to focus on this morning is a healing of the Spirit that allows relationship with God. So let me say that again. The, the type of healing that we're going to explore this morning is a healing of the spirit or the soul of a person that allows for deeper intimacy and relationship with God. There's other sorts of healing. There's physical healing and that sort of thing. But if you think about physical healing, um, at best in this age that we live in, it's still temporary. Because what happened to Lazarus after he was raised from the dead? He died. What happened to the other people that were raised from the dead by Christ? They also died. There's a day coming when we will share in the resurrection power of Christ. And in that day, there will no longer be death or suffering or pain or physical ailments. But we live in an age where the Spirit is working in such a way that the deepest healing that happens is a spirit and soul level healing. That's not to say that God doesn't, from time to time, want to manifest healing physically. He does. But what it is to say is that the core of healing power that the Spirit has opened through the church and the blood of Christ is a healing of the heart, a healing of the inner person. One of my favorite psalms, is Psalm 103, and we see this relationship right off the bat between worship and healing. Notice what David prays. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. All right, something interesting here. Notice how David's talking to himself. Like, David's looking at his own heart and saying, listen up, David, bless God. 
that's really appropriate. So I want to invite you to have that sort of relationship with yourself and with God to be able to talk yourself into worshiping God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. David looks at himself. David, take this seriously, David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. God gives the name Jehovah Rapha in Exodus chapter 15, and I wish we had time to look at the whole passage. This morning we don't, so what I would encourage you this week is to spend some time in Exodus 14 and 15, because what you're going to see is that same relationship between worship and healing. What happens in Exodus 14? The people cross the Red Sea, the seas split, the people of Israel cross, they come out of slavery and into freedom, and the waters crash down on Pharaoh, who's chasing in after his army. And this becomes a prophetic picture for the rest of Scripture and to us today. When the people came out of slavery and into freedom, it's the picture of us coming out of sin and into relationship with Christ. Paul says it this way, you have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Jesus split split the seas, we walk right through it, there's forgiveness in his blood, and we are brought out of slavery and into freedom. So that is Exodus 14. Then in Exodus 15 is Moses' song. And it's a really cool song, and it's filled with graphic imagery about God's work among his people. So Moses is worshiping God and leading the people in worshiping God. And then this is the song of Miriam, uh, Moses' sister, and the other women of Israel. They, say, they sing this, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. And then immediately after this, we have this strange story, starting in verse 22 of chapter 15. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Guess what Marah means? And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. This is also a prophetic picture, is it not? Of Christ. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And I made a mistake when I copied and pasted the scripture from Bible Gateway, um, that the Lord should be capitalized there because it's Yahweh. So the L-O-R-D should all be capitalized because it's God is declaring his name. I am Yahweh Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees and they encamped there by the water. So we see this relationship of deliverance from sin out of slavery and into freedom And then the people worship, and then God declares healing and his name. I am Jehovah Rapha. Worship, forgiveness, and healing. Just like in Psalm 103. I'm not going to go there yet. So, as Moses continues 
um, his, his ministry among the people of Israel, they will go out into the wilderness and God establishes a covenant with his people. And part of that covenant were hundreds of laws, right? We know about these laws. There are hundreds of Levitical laws. And many of the laws, especially if you read the first half of Leviticus, have to do with cleanness and uncleanness. So under the old covenant of the people of Israel, and I'm sure that you're familiar with this and have spent time looking at this, if you were unclean, you were not allowed to be in the presence of God. So anyone who had um, a skin disease or anyone who had a deformity or anyone who had um, bleeding or anyone who um, uh, was mentally ill um, or had special needs or anything along those lines would have not been allowed to enter into the tabernacle court or the temple court later after the temple was built. So do you see the connection here between uncleanness And presence with God, relationship with God. So anyone who is unclean was not allowed to be with God. I don't know that we appreciate the weight of that because of the freedom we have in our culture and in our our worship settings to just worship God, to go into the sanctuary. No one's looking around today saying, who has a disease here? was a deformity here, you're not allowed in our sanctuary. Can you imagine if we had someone standing at the door checking to make sure everyone was clean before they came in? And yet, um, for the people of Israel, under the old covenant, God's presence was housed in a single place. It was housed in the tabernacle. Now, we know God, God is everywhere. We know that about God, but their understanding of him under the old covenant was that his presence was manifest in a centralized place. And if there was anything causing you to be unclean, you were not allowed to go in there. And what's more, under the old covenant, if I was ceremonially clean, but I touched someone or something that was unclean, what would happen to me? I would also become unclean. So this is where um, we start to understand the, the story of the Good Samaritan a little bit better. The Good Samaritan was dirty on two accounts, right? He was beat up and bloodied, which would have made him ceremonially unclean. But he was also a foreigner. He was a Samaritan. He was not part of the inner ring of God's covenant, which also made him unclean. So what does the Levite do when he sees the beat up um, person? I'm sorry, I mixed it up, didn't I? I'm sorry, I just caught myself. It wasn't the Samaritan that was beat up. It was, it was uh, the, the Jewish man who was beat up, but he was unclean because of, because of going through that process. And then the Levite sees him and avoids him at all costs because if there would have been touch between the two of them, the Levite would have been unclean, which means he wouldn't have been fit or allowed to serve in the temple in the role that he had. Man, I think about that um, I, I love worshiping God. I know you do. And I think about just the weight of what it would be like to live like that at all times. Worried about whether I was clean or not or what I was eating or what I was touching because I wanted to enter into God's presence, but you have to be careful not to touch that. So under the old law, that's how it worked. Something that was unclean made you unclean if you touched it. And then Jesus came along. And he started touching all kinds of unclean things. 
He started walking up to all kinds of people who were unclean and just boldly laying his hands on them. And he flipped the whole thing because was Jesus made unclean by that which he touched? No, the power of Christ, of God in him, being fully God, is so great and so clean and so sanctifying that it flipped the whole thing. What Jesus touches that is unclean becomes clean. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Paul says we share, we share in the redemptive calling of Jesus Christ. When Christ has touched you, you have become so clean that that which you touch can also become clean. As Christ works out his power in you. Is that not incredible? Now think about this. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Those three things are there. Forgiveness, worship, healing. He goes on to say, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Or as the old King James would say, which I like, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And Peter says it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You see, before Christ came, a person needed to be physically healed before they could worship God. That's the old covenant. Think about it, the story of um, Peter and John. This is in Acts right after the church is born, and it says that they walked up to the temple and they saw... A lame man, a beggar, outside of the temple. Why was he outside of the temple? He couldn't go in. He was not allowed to go in. He's begging, can you give us some money? And Peter says, I always think this is interesting that Peter says this. We don't have any money, right? Because a few verses before that in Acts 2, it says that they had money because they were all sharing everything. But Peter looks at him and he says, we don't have any money, but that doesn't matter. What we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Now, we think that the physical healing is the amazing part. It's not. That's not actually the point of that story. Because where did that man immediately go? He went walking and leaping and praising God into the temple. The man who was sick in need of healing. The healing that he needs is the same healing that God has called us to 
which is a healing of the heart, a healing of the soul. Because we certainly, we need God to cleanse our bodies. Certainly, we look forward to the day when we will be resurrected and there will be not another death that follows. Because it won't just be a resuscitation. It'll be true resurrection power in Jesus. We long and we hope for that day with everything within us. But the healing that matters the most, the healing that allows for the physical manifestation of healing has already taken place. It already happened. The moment that you began to walk with Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer, the great sanctifier reached in and touched you. And what was unclean became clean. And the temple curtain was torn in two. And we join in the saints, as it says in Hebrews, who go boldly before the throne of God. Because we have a high priest who made a sacrifice that is eternally cleansing for us. You too are called to this same ministry of reconciliation. Wherever we share the love of Christ and the healing of Christ and the salvation of Christ, what we're offering to people is a chance to receive healing. Healing that bears fruit, that allows us to walk boldly into the presence of God. Let's go back to Psalm 103 for a moment. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Watch, please follow David's train of thought here. Watch the healing that he's longing for. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. In the Old Testament, fear and worship are synonymous. That's why when it says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it also says fear of the Lord is the beginning of worship. Fear of the Lord and worshiping the Lord, it's the same thing. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Now, we know God is outside of this universe, but I think this is a really cool thought. What do we know about the universe that's constantly happening? It's expanding. As far as the east is from the west, the Lord has removed our transgressions. That's not just, it's an ever-expanding distance that God removes our impurity and uncleanness away from us because his love is like a father and his love does not deal with us according to our sins. One last verse that I I just love from the Old Testament that talks about healing and relationship with God. For behold, the day is coming, it says in Malachi 4, burning like an oven when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day is coming that shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, you who worship me, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from stalls. Anybody gone leaping like a calf recently? 
Think about that from a spirit level, though. And I do mean this. That, that was a joking question. This is a very serious question. When's the last time your spirit leapt like a calf loosed from a stall? That's the type of healing Jesus is inviting you into today. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings that you, not, not necessarily in your physical body, though certainly if God, if you want to dance, dance. If you want to jump and praise to the Lord, jump and praise to the Lord. That is very biblical. But what it's talking about is the spirit will rise within you leaping in freedom. As a follower of Christ, can anything actually enslave you? That you don't give permission to? I mean, you can be in chains and you're as free as a bird. Right? You can, you can join Paul in, in prison and be locked away and just be totally free. Your spirit leaping like a calf because the son of righteousness has, wrote, has risen upon your life and shone on you and caused healing to be a part of your life. So Parker Ford, bless the Lord, your healer. He saves you. He is your redeemer. He binds up the broken. He causes the blind to see, the lame to walk, and the deaf to hear. He makes the unrighteous clean, and he restores relationship. The point of this series is that we can't receive our names until God has named himself. Just like Abram could not become Abraham until God became El Shaddai. Moses could not become the shepherd of Israel until God became Yahweh, until he understood. And it's not that God is changing, it's that we are the ones who change in our relationship with him. And so last week we looked at this, that God is my shepherd. Individually, you are his sheep. Collectively, we are his flock. But we can't act like it until we first receive his name as shepherd. And in the same way, this is what I'd like to propose to us in what God is naming us today, specifically. He is saying... That we are his temple. You individually are God's temple. And we collectively are God's temple. The presence of God is still housed in the temple. But God has removed that from a physical building. And has caused his spirit to dwell within us. So that the word of God says this. You are the temple of God. You cannot be the temple of God if you are unclean because God's presence will not be where there is impurity. And yet the God, set, the God of all creation says this with authority. You are my temple if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And you have the Holy Spirit living in you if you have a relationship with Christ. So if you have a relationship with Christ, you don't have to ask, does the Spirit live within me? He does because he seals all of his possessions. He lives within you. And you are his temple. Paul says we hold this treasure in jars of clay. Because we look at our bodies and we're like, God lives in this. This thing that's fallen apart and sinful. And yet it's true. You are the temple of God. But you can't live that out until you first receive this. That he's your shepherd. You're his sheep. And he is your healer. If you will receive this name of God, that he is Jehovah Rapha. He is your healer then you can live confidently with authority in this. I'm the temple of God. We are the temple of God. And that is what God has called you to. That is what he is naming you. 
and me as. You are his temple. Wherever you go, he goes because he lives within you. Whatever you touch, you bring the ministry of reconciliation within you because the same Jesus who rose Lazarus from the dead lives in you. The same God who rose his son from the dead with everlasting resurrection power lives and dwells within you. You are the temple of God, which means you've got to do business with God first. Am I actually clean? Is that legit? Is that actually real? Because I don't know about you, but often I don't feel that way. It's hard to feel like the temple of God. It's hard to feel like I'm clean enough or pure enough or whatever it is in order for that to be true. But it is true because Jesus, what he touches becomes clean, not the other way around. So we're not going to have a time of singing this morning because we rearranged our service. But what what I'd like you to do is just open your hands to a posture of receiving. And I'm going to speak God's name over us this morning as his temple. We are his flock and we are his temple. And I'm just going to ask him to teach us to be our rabbi about what it means that he's our healer. And I'm also going to ask that as James prayed that we would have faith that this is true and that we would receive this from him this morning. So God, we stand together as a family this morning, as a covenanted body, and we see your word and what it says. And you declared eternally over your people that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We receive that name from you this morning. I pray that each person in here, God would carry this with them as they leave and go about their business this week, into their homes, into their jobs, into their schools, wherever we go, that we would carry this, that God is my healer, and he's made me clean. And his cleansing power has removed my sin as far as the east is from the west, and I stand confidently in his presence, and I hold his presence within my soul, because he has healed me in the innermost place. We receive this from you this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And so may you, brothers and sisters, know the healing power of Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. May there not be a single nook or cranny or inch within your spirit that you keep hidden from his light. Jesus is the light of the world, and he shines upon you. And so as he dwells within you, may the light of Christ shine in every part of your spirits. I bless you and I pray this in his mighty name.